Welcome to McKnight's Senior Living Newsmakers Podcast, where we share the latest information and views from industry leaders. Hello, this is Lois Bowers. I'm joined by David Schles, President and CEO of the American Seniors Housing Association. We're going to take a look back at senior living in 2022 and I look forward to 2023. Dave, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. Thank you, Lois. Over the past couple of years, COVID-19 has been the top overarching challenge facing senior living providers. Looking back on 2022, do you believe that COVID-19 was still the number one challenge facing the industry? You know, my sense of 2022 was that the labor issues, challenges were really probably the, you know, the the overarching challenge that most operators uh, faced in 2022. Having said that, I mean, without a doubt, I think COVID is intertwined in that statement. And certainly, uh, you know, when you when you look at you know the the senior living space during the COVID period. We're certainly still dealing with with some of the fallout and, you know, you had initially, of course, the fear that some of the workforce had uh, working in, you know, any type of congregate setting. That was certainly there certainly was, you know, an incredibly stressful period of time to be working in senior living or senior care communities during that period of time. As you had uh, workers out who were sick, you had more pressure on a smaller group of staff. So it was, you know, certainly an incredibly stressful period of time for the workforce. And then again, we know that, you know, we have a, a lot of our workforce are, are females who have responsibilities for childcare. And so you kind of threw that into the mix, not knowing whether your child care was going to be open, whether the kids were going to be in school. So you know all of those you know all of those things you know impacted the work the workforce and um you know so you know i would say in, indirectly for sure you know covid is still felt but i i think most most of the operators probably would say that you know really it was the, it was the workforce uh challenges that were the you know the top you know the top challenge that they faced last year Mm-hmm. So in some ways, that's almost a return to normal because workforce has been a long time challenge and COVID kind of snuck in there for a couple of years. That's, yeah, no, I think that's absolutely true. I, I, I will say this from our perspective, ASHA has been a lobbying organization and that's you know, always been a, a big piece of what we do. We you know, have engaged the top outside immigration uh, lawyer and and advocate to help us. And, you know, if you told me 10 years ago, you know, that our top legislative priority would be focused on, you know, uh, you know, variety of issues related to immigration reform, I, you know, probably wouldn't have believed it, but it is really the top area of focus for us. And just looking at any, anything that we can possibly do and cross a number of existing programs, some administrative actions that can be taken to uh, improve the situation, and then looking at perhaps, again, some specific new pieces of targeted immigration-related legislation. Again, very much an uphill battle, but really, you know, all focused on, I think, a, a pressing issue, problem, challenge that I don't think is solvable without, you know, some significant you know, with it, without an influx of new new workers, 
who are here legally and you know want to want to be here and want to work in these settings. Immigration has been in the news uh, recently with some uh, plans by the Biden administration. Um, are you hopeful that some things will happen this year? You know, I I wish I could say I was hopeful. I you know I I think there is you know I think there is an awareness among you know members of both political parties. Obviously, it's a very complicated political issue. We have spent a good deal of time with the White House, with other officials. I, I do think there are th- there are steps that can be taken by the um, administration and the State Department that would be helpful. Um, you know, there's just been a, a real backlog of processing uh, visas. And, and uh, so, yeah, I, I, you know, I definitely think there are some things that that can be done. I, I always try and be optimistic. And, and I think, you know, so, some of the administrative opportunities should hopefully happen because, they're, you know, they're part of part of what we're dealing with is the kind of bureaucratic log jams that, you know, I mean, again, have have really had an impact. Well, in addition to COVID and workforce issues, um, are there any other big challenges facing senior living owners and operators that ASHA will be working on this year? Well, you know, I, I, again, I think, you know, having done this for a number of years, you know, I think it's fair, you know, at least my, my perspective, I, mean, I think this has just been an incredibly challenging period of time for all operators. I, I, I certainly, in my 30 you know, 30 plus years, I, I I don't think we've had anything nearly as challenging for the operator. So uh, certainly the inflationary pressures that, you know, really became very evident in 2022 have been very impactful to the industry. And obviously some of those inflationary, a good amount of that was again, labor related. And, you know, we touched on a little of it, but it was over time and certainly um, use of outside agency staffing, increased wages, increased benefits, uh, but you know certainly labor-related inflationary pressures are are real and certainly were real and and you know certainly have impacted the profitability of the business and of course as we all know from our our own individual lives we have seen increases in you know the cost of supplies and food and insurance and utilities and so all of all of those increases added to what was you know just what was and continues to be an incredibly challenging period of time for the operators and you know certainly you know those communities that were really most impacted by covid from an occupancy perspective really had their hands full last year and and you know unfortunately that will continue to be the case mm-hmm. uh, in 2023 those are the big ones. And of course, dealing with with inflation, we've watched the Fed now, you know, really begin to ramp up interest rates, which again, while the hope is that that will ease the inflation, which will be a good thing for the operators, the increased cost of capital and challenges related to accessing capital add to the real challenges of running a senior living business. Mm-hmm. Where do you think talking with your members and others uh, that the senior living industry as a whole is as far as recovery from the pandemic? And do you have a sense of when the industry will fully recover? Um, yeah, I, I think 
I think the op, I think the optimists are hopeful that you know 2024 will be you know a, a turning point for the industry. I you know I I am generally an optimist, and so I you know I I think 2024 will be a uh, a better year for the industry than 2023 is likely to be. I have certainly talked to some folks that you know are less optimistic and you know think it's really going to be 2025 before we you know really start to you know to rebound. What I will say is this: is I am very confident that the industry is not impaired by the by COVID. We've done research with. Uh, Promatura at several points in time, including a study that we did recently. Uh, you know, the 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 vast majority of Americans, uh, including both older adults and 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 their adult children, you know, indicate and have continued to indicate that COVID, you know, that COVID won't have an impact on their decision to move into any of these settings. Um, there's a small percentage uh you know who who are particularly you know concerned at the higher acuity side but again it's a you know it's a small piece of the population so i'm i'm you know personally as as bullish on the future of senior living as i've as i've ever been again you know op- optimistically i think 2024 will be in a better place than where we are right now mm-hmm. I'm glad you mentioned that research because that certainly is good news for operators and uh, we've covered that somewhat. Do you think the industry will be permanently changed or affected because of the pandemic and if so, in what ways? And I'm curious too, if your opinion has changed over the past year or so. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a great question. I mean, I, you know, I, I think, you know, for sure the industry has learned a lot about, uh, infection control and prevention, um, and I know there were there were people who you know at the outset of COVID thought that this wasn't going to be any different than the flu. Obviously, it was much different than the flu, uh, but I think you know the industry learned a lot about infection control and prevention, uh, and I think that will you know that will be a, a lasting benefit to you know to the industry, and I think that's true from uh you know independent living through al memory care you know the the full continuum um you know another area where i think the industry really you know was impacted in a in a positive way was uh you know on the on the marketing side and i think the industry became much more uh digitally uh savvy and adept at you know marketing um you know, in the, in the modern era, uh, I, th- I think, you know, a lot of improvement has been made in that respect. Uh, you know, communicating has been, been improved both with uh, existing residents and with prospects. So I think those are all things that I, th- I think will be with the industry. And, you know, frankly, I mean, again, getting back to what we, you know, kind of thematically we've talked about, the operators have become better employers. I think they've become They've had to become a better employer, an employer of choice, more focused on flexibility, providing better better benefits, higher pay to you know low wage employees. I think you know again much more focused on diversity, equity, inclusion, 
So a lot of those are things that I think are going to be very positive for the industry and developing career paths and finding ways to identify talented hourly workers potentially and and you know finding ways to grow talent that you have at the community level. So I mean I think those are all really positive things and I, I again I, I'm an optimist by nature and as horrible as COVID has been and and you know it, it's been horrible. Um, you know there's some there's some elements some you know some aspects of what the industry had to ad- adapt to that will be you know long-term pluses for you know for the industry mm-hmm. i was wondering if you could speak a minute about the senior living hall of fame uh the programs organized by asha and i've been honored to be a member of the selection committee uh can you talk briefly about the hall of fame in general and then about this year's honorees sure so you know the the hall of fame was uh started several years ago and 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 really it was it was one of those uh was kind of one of those events that that was really very in, informally created i mean it re- really was uh one of our uh former chairman john rehos from chicago pacific founders um was watching one of the NFL preseason games, which happened to be the Hall of Fame game that they played in Canton, Ohio. And he sent he sent a, an email or a text to to myself and Larry Cohen, who had who was at the, at the time with um, Capital Senior Living, now Sunita Senior Living, and now of course Larry's with Trustwell. And he said, you know, John said, well, you know, is there a Senior Living Hall of Fame? And the answer was, you know, neither of us, you know, were aware of a senior living hall of fame. And, you know, John said, well, there should be one. And so, you know, we we began that process. We had we had I we used to Asha used to give out some lifetime achievement awards. And, you know, in a very short period of time, we, you know, we decided that, you know, it was really a good idea to recognize the men and women who have you know, r- really help shape the industry. Uh, my my caveat immediately was I didn't want to be, you know, responsible for selecting the men and women who would be chosen for the Hall of Fame. And so we kind of followed the path of, um, you know, some of the professional sports, really, uh, probably the sports leagues where you have the top, you know, the top sports writers in, in this instance, we, you know, wanted to, you know, kind of uh, re- replicate that. And, and that was what we did. And you've been very graciously involved in that. And you, and you know, it's, it's, it's really been, um, you know, it's been a wonderful uh, collaboration. And, and I think everyone's, everyone who's involved in the selection committee has really taken that responsibility very seriously. And we've, as you know, we've had some you know, really, you know, some, some really robust conversations. And, um, you know, so it's, it's been one of those uh, initiatives that, you know, again, I, I don't like to call it the ASHA Senior Living Hall of Fame. We really called it the Senior Living Hall of Fame. And, you know, so I, I think it's been a really neat process. And as you know, I listen in on the calls. And of course, if I weigh in, I try to do so my perspective, but I've, it's been wonderful because I think the committee has really been able to identify some, you know, some folks that really aren't active in the space and that might not otherwise have been 
recognized for their contributions. And, and I think that's a, you know, I think it's really important to do that. And uh, so the Hall of Fame is, is uh, I think it's a really terrific way to honor the people that really built the industry and that, you know, the industry um, is not a definitive way to do this. So, I mean, it's, you know, to, to some extent when you, you know, when you look at the biographies of the men, or at least when I look at the biographies of the men and women who have been selected, you know, to the hall of fame, I mean, they, you kind of weave together the history of the business a little bit. And, you know, that, that to me has always been really exciting and it's, and it's a really nice thing to do. Mm-hmm. I've been covering the industry for probably about a decade and, and I've really enjoyed learning about the history that, uh, came before I was familiar, as familiar with it as I am now. So I'm happy to be a part of that. Um, can you talk briefly a little bit about this year's honorees? Uh, sure. So you know, again, we have a class of inductees that are really all very different, but all very you know significant contributors to the industry. Karen Brown Wilson um, was the founder of assisted living concepts and really in in a lot of respects she's probably been out of the business for i would say at least a, a decade or or more than a decade but you know she was she was a really important figure in the business because she was really i would say one of the early assisted living pioneers and you know as as many people in the industry you know her personal experience dealing with her mom really was the uh, kind of impetus for her involvement and her, you know, her desire to create a non-institutional setting. So not only was she a pioneer in terms of the early AL model, but she was also really very much a pioneer in terms of her focus on older adults with, uh, you know, less you know, financial means. And so she was really the catalyst to the Medicaid waiver being used for, uh, you know, non-institutional, you know, long-term care. And she did that in Oregon and, uh, and, and, and elsewhere. And that was, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, she, she was many, many years probably ahead of her time as, as you know, the industry was really very focused and has historically been focused on, you know, more middle, middle income or, you know, upper middle income. So Karen Brown Wilson, uh, I think very, you know, very deserving of induction into the Hall of Fame. Noah Levy also will be inducted into the Hall of Fame. And Noah um, was with Prudential Real Estate Investors, uh, which is now PGM Real Estate Investors. But, you know, Noah, Noah was really important because you know, senior living was not really, you know, a particularly uh, uh, appealing investment type for institutional investors. And if you go back to, you know, the the early 90s, even, I mean, it was right, you know, you had a, a few institutional investors who would consider investing in it. But, you know, NOAA and, and Prudential, you know, really were enormously important in terms of the acceptance of senior living as, you know, something that's worthy of investing in. Mm-hmm. Um, and Noah, you know, Noah's investments while he was at 
Prudential, uh, you know, really helped grow a number of very important companies in the in the business. So, you know, Noah, you know, definitely made his mark on the business. He was he was also an ASHA chairman, um, so he was very involved in ASHA. And he was, you know, incredibly, um, you know, Noah's just incredibly bright, incredibly thoughtful, um, and really helped shape our political action committee, our, our public policy. So Noah was a force and, um, you know, and I'm, I'm just thrilled that he's going to be recognized with induction into the Hall of Fame and a, a very worthy inductee. And then the additional uh, two inductees will be Karen and Chuck Lytle. And Karen and Chuck are also really pioneers in you know, in the in the senior living space, and they were the force behind what was leisure care. And you know, initially with the development of uh, a number of uh, independent assisted living communities out in the Pacific Northwest, West Coast, um, and they you know built a terrific company. U- ultimately, they you know they have been involved in the ownership with Lytle Enterprises. Um, at a certain point, they sold the management company, which was Leisure, Leisure Care, to Dan Madsen, who you know had worked with them for a number of years. And um, you know, and I, I, you know, and I look at at Karen and Chuck. I mean, they were also you know really important because they, you know, I would say they they fostered or they they you know incubated a number of people who subsequently went on to you know start and run. Uh, you know, a number of senior living companies um, in the industry. Obviously, you know, Dan Madsen has, uh, you know, continued to grow leisure care. Um, you had uh, Dwayne Clark, who started Aegis Living, and Dwayne worked with them for a number of years. And uh, Paul Dendy, who had been the CEO of Milestone Retirement Communities for a number of years, and Tana Gall, who of course is the CEO of Merrill Gardens. So, um, you know, there's a there's a tree of of you know really terrific executives in the industry that you know that were touched by Karen and Chuck, and you know I I think that's a, you know great testament to them that you know that they. Um, you know, kind of fostered, you know, a number of really terrific professionals in the business. So it's a really neat class of inductees this year. Thanks for sharing that information. And and I'll mention that uh, people can find out more about the inductees on the ASHA website and on the McKnight Senior Living website. Um, Well, before we say goodbye, is there anything else you believe is important to mention? Well, you know, I think we've we've covered some ground. I, I guess the only other you know, major area of focus for us that I didn't talk about and I just a little bit, but we started to, in a, you know, we've done a lot of research. Obviously we have that, um, you know, the, the advocacy focus and, you know, we started an effort uh, several years ago called Where You Live Matters, where we, you know, really wanted to try and help educate and empower older adults and their family members. And so we, we have, um, Really, it's a digital initiative, whereyoulivematters.org is the website. And then we have a full social media platform. And we're really, you know, uh, doing a complete overhaul. We'll be, you know, completely overhauling the website, 
And, um, you know, so that's, you know, that's something that we're very excited about. Um, you know, we, we think that there is a lot of benefit to providing educational resources and, and other resources to make the process less overwhelming. And it's an area of focus for us that's relatively new, but we're really very committed to it because we think that, you know, there is an opportunity to help people show up at these communities in a, you know, in a stronger position, an empowered position, and and to, you know, not necessarily need to wait until, you know, they're in the middle of a crisis to make a decision. So, Way You Live Matters has, has been uh, one of the more interesting endeavors for me personally, and we're really excited at some point some point in the summer, we'll touch base and, and uh, you know, there'll be a new Where You Live Matters website and we'll maybe talk again about that. Sure. Sure. Good luck with that. Best wishes for that. Thank you. Thanks for joining me today. This is Lois Bowers, editor of McKnight Senior Living, and we've been speaking with David Schles, president and CEO of the American Seniors Housing Association. Dave, thanks again for joining me. My pleasure. Thank you as always, Lois. Thank you for listening to McKnight's Senior Living Newsmakers podcast. For the latest in senior living news, visit McKnightSeniorLiving.com.